Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Views on View, the podcast with a view on Vue.js. Uh, my name is Steve Edwards. I am the host with the face for radio, but the voice for being a mime. But I'm still your host. Uh, today, I am flying solo on the panel, and we are once again the international world-spanning podcast with our guest host, James Sincala. How are you doing, James? I'm doing great. How are you, Steve? Good, good. Good to have you. James is calling from East Africa, the company of company, country, there we go, of Tanzania. And we're going to yeah. talk about Next3 and Supabase today. Uh, but before we get started, uh, James, why don't you just give us a little background on yourself and tell us who you are, your development experience, why you're famous, whatever you want to tell us about yourself and your background. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, well, so I'm James Sinkala. I'm a full-stack developer and technical writer. Uh, for the past couple of years, three years, I could say, I've focused more on technical writing. And of course, which brings us to the uh, the article that we are discussing today. And yeah, so to put, it's a long story, but I can sort of put it short. Uh, what got me interested into programming was uh, back from where I, where I grew up, you know, everything that uh, we saw on TV that was kind of, we couldn't explain beats on movies or whatever. People had this uh, this saying, they would just say, uh, it's just a computer. And I never really understood that, but <laughs> so, <laughs> it sort of was the answer for everything that we couldn't explain. It, it's the computer. And everybody seemed to sort of understand that. Uh, but I was curious. And the first time I came across one, I sort of had the understanding that, well, I think people do actually have a hand on creating these things. Uh, so <laughs> that's where curiosity got me. And I said, okay, if people actually do uh, write these programs, of course, I didn't understand the concept of programs back then, but I just had that understanding. If people do actually uh, create these things, then I'd like to be one of those people who create stuff. Uh, the, as I said, the past three years uh, is when I got into technical writing. And I had no idea that you could get paid writing uh, technical contents. So, you know, discovering that was like uh, some sort of new discovery, like sliced bread or something. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and I'm, I'm a... So you like, what did you like about uh, technical writing? So how I started off was, you know, uh, especially when when you are writing programs, and there are these times where, where you, you delve into something that you haven't done before. So you do want some sort of documentation that you could reference later on when you are dealing with the same thing again, instead of doing another research and uh, going through documentations, you needed sort of a shortcut to, to do these tasks that you don't do as much. So you need some sort of reference. So I was writing reference for myself. Uh, initially, I wasn't writing for anybody else. Then afterwards, you know, I got to enjoy it and, you know, getting the feedback that it was helping, you know, one or two people then I said, okay, maybe I could, I'm actually enjoying this. I could do more of this. And by the, by then, I, I hadn't discovered that I could get paid doing so. Yeah, so that was an incentive after discovering that <laughs> I could get paid uh, writing. Yeah, I'd like to do technical writing too. Um, although it's not something that I would ever want to do full time, just write for other people because I like to write about my own stuff. You know, it's right. a lot easier to write about something that you know as yeah. compared to just say, going to people, okay, now how do I explain this and how do I explain that? So, right, right. You know, my thing has always been, okay, I know how to do this and I had to solve a few problems. So let me write something for, you know, people so that they can understand it. And right. you know, I would like to do a lot more in terms of documenting code afterwards or writing, you know, wiki pages or stuff like that. But right. you know, time and when you got development tasks to do, you don't always have the time. Yeah, exactly. I don't know exactly. if you're like me, but I could never write a creative story to save my life. You know, <laughs> if, uh, if I had to write a story and develop characters and a plot, no, forget it. Can't do that. Uh, I just don't have that creative juice at all. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I'm but, the same. Uh, but, but get me to explain something technical or write a business letter or something like that. I'm your guy. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah, so I think I'm the same. Uh, when it comes to writing creative stuff, uh, the only memory I have was trying to draw some creative stories back in the days. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, those stick, stick figures, yeah, those, yes. those, are, those are the best I could do. 
<laughs> yes, best I could do. Yeah, I can't. I am artistically challenged uh, to uh, to save my life. You know what's interesting though is, um, yeah. do you know a guy named David Neal? Um, I, I think I might. He's a Java. He's a developer, and he got into um, uh, programming. I mean, into drawing. And oh, I actually had him here on the podcast one time. Um, and I cannot reverent geek. Yes, all right. He goes by reverent geek on Twitter, and oh, okay. he tells the he tells the story of how he got into drawing. Yeah, it was that he was doing conference presentations, right? And he in one presentation he threw some really basic art into it, some sort of drawing, and he found that his audience was engaged so much more. Once okay. he started doing that, that he started doing it and he started watching YouTube videos and he learned to draw. Now he's got like books that he puts out. And then wow. the good thing he did, I think he did one book of dad jokes too. That was really cool. But oh. he's got, if you follow him on Instagram or Twitter, he's always, um, he's got arts and books and stuff. Mm -hmm. and he, he just learned to draw on his own. And it was all because as a developer, he didn't yeah. know the first thing about drawing, but right. as a developer, he found that it really, uh, engaged his audience much better. And so he took off. He was like me, you know, doesn't have an artistic bone in his body, but he learned how to do it. So it's something you can learn how to do, you know, yeah. for sure. But, when you uh, take the time, right. Uh, yeah, stick figures was the best I could go with, you know, writing sort of creative uh, stories. Uh, but with technical writing, uh, just as, you know, you referenced it, uh, whereby you'd be creating something, then you say, okay, let me write about it. So just as I said, for me, it was, I was writing references for myself. And if you go through my the first articles that I, I've ever written, they are based on things that I had, based on, let's say, features I had added to uh, bigger projects that I was working on. So, yeah, there was that. And it was kind of fun because, so the thing is, uh, the thing was, in the beginning, I was sort of nervous getting into writing you know, putting your writing out there for people to scrutinize. <laughs> so, and you know that there are people who are more technical than you. So there, there was a higher chance that somebody will come and say, oh, what is this? Or they correct you, you know, in public. So I sort of was nervous. <laughs> but when I go to write my first uh, article, and I, I can say Dev.2 sort of played a huge part in giving me the confidence to do so. So, yeah, props to them. And yeah, I started posting over there. I initially started posting on my own website. Uh, then there was no much traction over there because, you know, you need to sort of, you need eyes to see your content before people start uh, giving attention to your own blog. So I got into uh, dev.so. Uh, then I added can canonical URLs to yes. my own website. And that's how I sort of directed more, more traffic to, to my own blog. Yeah, I've done a little bit of writing back when I had time, and we were, and it was cool because you could put the link to your own website. Yes, that way. So yeah, yeah, I've leveraged that a lot. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's really cool that they do that. Yes, really cool. Yeah. So for instance, personally, I was uh, when Hashnode came around, I also got into it, I, but I sort of got into Hashnode late, a bit late. Uh, but I also do uh, add canonical URLs uh, on my Hashnode posts, so I. I mostly do cross-posting. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for, for the past year, I think. So I will post mm -hmm. uh, an article on my blog. Then I, afterwards, after a day or two, I'll post it on uh, dev.2, uh, then Hashnode. And mm -hmm. it sort of helps a lot uh, establish uh, the authority of your of your domain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that it, it helps quite a lot. Cool. So, so now when you were writing, this is before you got into actual doing development work. Is that right? Or did I? Get no, I, I actually, yeah, I actually started development work, and well, I, I actually started a while back, around twenty sixteen, mm -hmm. late twenty fifteen or early twenty sixteen. And back then, I had no idea that there were web frameworks, things like Laravel, and all these uh, other web frameworks that came along. I had no idea about those, so. I started off with PHP, so you could imagine I was writing spaghetti code. <laughs> yes, that's where I started too. So. Yeah, so I started off there, and initially, uh, so looking back home, I, you know, the music industry was 
sort of getting attention uh, on this part of the continent. And I could, I could say all over the continent. So I decided, and the thing that was lacking was a website, a lyrics website. So I decided to, to create a lyrics website. And I said, okay, how am I going to do this? Initially, I just knew HTML. And, mm-hmm. you know, I started off with HTML. And I could remember I I didn't have an idea how to do, you know, direct one page to the next. So I, I sort of had, I was looking sort of the dynamic uh, features uh, for for web and I couldn't find those. So I, I remember using uh, iframes. Yeah, so those are, those are all these. And yeah, so that followed by, you know, I started learning PHP uh, through Google and the PHP website. Then I got to understand about serving uh, servers, hosting websites and everything. So it started off just by trying to create the Lyrics website. And through it, having gone uh, those through those, uh, let's say, uh, adding features by feature, trying to understand the programming language itself, uh, PHP. And later on, a friend of mine introduced me to Laravel. And from then on, I didn't look back. Yes, I live in Laravel and view all day. So, yeah. uh, yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I had uh, on this podcast, we had Taylor Otwell. Oh, uh, interesting. Probably about five or six months ago, back in November or December, I think. It was a great, it's one of my favorite interviews I've done. Oh, uh, I, I need to listen to particular that. particular podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's really pretty good. Yeah. That was a good time. Yeah, good times. Uh, and interesting. So, I think Laravel is how I got introduced to Vue.js. And right. the whole front-end framework sold. I never had any, an idea about that. Uh, but when they brought it into Laravel and I found it, oh, I never looked back. Because I actually had of React.js before, but I couldn't crack React.js <laughs> then. <laughs> then just within the same time, I came across uh, Vue.js on Laravel and mm-hmm. the documentation was just swift to, to just go through. And I could say maybe the documentation part, they did a good job at that. Uh, that's why I got into a lot of your first, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do remember those days. I used to read the documentation while I was, you know, in the bus. Whatever I was, I was just reading through the documentation. So I really got fast into UJS and I enjoyed it for a while. And I never, I actually never looked back. I never got into ReactJS until uh, last year. Mm-hmm. So I've just been mainly dealing with Vue.js, Nux.js, and you know the Vue.js ecosystem. Right now, I'll I'll give my usual push that I always do, particularly since I just lost a new app. Okay. Uh, yesterday, uh, have you heard of Inertia.js? Yes. Yes. Inertia uh, I, 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 is, okay. Inertia is the bomb. Inertia is so much so awesome, and it's so fast. Um, okay. So I use it with Laravel and Vue, and it's just, you know, right. real quick. It's just sort of a glue that glues the two together, and you pass your Laravel data to your front-end components as props. Right. And you're not doing, it's doing everything behind the scenes and not doing a full browser reload, and it, mm, it's got helper functions, and it it works so well together. I just launched an app yesterday that I've been working on for a few months. And, okay. And uh, it's so fast, and it, it's just great. It's a lot of fun to work with. You can incorporate it with... Uh, Tailwind, or you can use whatever framework you want. Um, okay. But what's nice is Laravel Breeze, uh, which is one of their um, packages or distributions, I think you would call it, comes. Right. You can download Breeze and have it all set up and ready to go, either okay. that or Jetstream. But it has Laravel installed, it has Vue installed, it has Nersha installed, it has Tailwind installed. Right. Um, and you're just up and going. What, um, does, uh, and- what does your app do? It's an internal uh, membership management, sort of a CRUD app okay. um, for a, a private uh, group that I belong to. So it's behind the scenes thing. It's not a public facing okay. Uh, okay. T- tool. But right. uh, for what it does, it's it's really it's awesome. Just host it on Laravel Forge, um, you know, with the DigitalOcean server. And, okay, interesting. That's a piece of cake. It's really a piece of cake. Yeah, so anyway, off of that, it's something to look into if you want to be able to integrate the two. In a really yeah. good way, but yeah. enough of my. Yeah, I, I swear came people, think John, <laughs> people think that John actually, is paying me for all my ads. 
I always talk about inertia, but it's one of those things where if you like it, you talk about it. So yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. And uh, honestly, that's what I've been doing mostly when it comes to uh, writing content, apart from currently. Uh, so for instance, the, this uh, NXP and Superbase article, this was just based on one of the reasons being it was just you know a good uh, service that I enjoyed yeah, using back then, and I, I decided to write something about it. There was another reason to it. I think we'll talk about it later. And regarding Inertia, I also came across Inertia via Laravel. So I do remember they they, uh, they did introduce Inertia and Livewire, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So Livewire uses um, uh, re, um, what's the templating language? I can't believe I'm brain farting in what the templating language is. Uh, but yeah, Livewire just uses your literal Blade. templates. Blade. Blade. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's what Livewire is, and then. Um, Breeze. Sure Breeze you yeah. can use with React if you want to as well. So Breeze is real basic implementation in terms of user authentication okay. and capabilities. And then Jetstream okay. uh, is a more advanced version that has Teams and some other functionality built into it too. And they suggest right. if you're not really familiar with Laravel to start with Breeze okay. you know, and then use Jetstream if you need more functionality. Mm, interesting. And... It's interesting that I, you know, I, I sort of have, I sort of haven't been using Laravel that much. I used it uh, last time. I used it, I think, was a year or two ago when I was creating, a, working on a certain project for for a customer, because uh, I've been freelancing um, over here in my locality for some time. Mm-hmm. And whenever I'm writing something that's uh, a bit heavy, I always default to Laravel. So I do have much confidence. Uh, with Laravel, especially when working on, on large projects. And uh, the last project that I was working on was sort of like uh, an e-learning platform. Uh, okay. So, yeah. I, and in that project, I did use uh, Laravel and Vue.js. All right. So tell me about, uh, excuse me, Nuxt and how you got into Nuxt and and I guess why you're using it as compared to a Vue SPA. I think, you know, as mm-hmm. with most people will know that as with any uh, JavaScript framework, you have what's sort of called a meta framework, you know, meta that allows framework. you to handle exactly. server-side rendering and for the SEO yeah. purposes and all that kind of stuff. React has Next. Um, right. I can't remember. Angular has something and Svelte has SvelteKit. Uh, yeah. So anyway, and we've talked plenty about Next on this show with uh, Drew Baker and Daniel Rowe and, and other people. Uh, right. But uh, what got you into Next? Uh, so with Nux, I came, the first time I came across Nux, I did have this, uh, habit of going through the, uh, view awesome, uh, repo where you just see a list of these, uh, plugins and etc. you know, uh-huh. articles, everything in between, uh, that had to do with Vue.js. And that's where I came across Nux.js. It wasn't from, I don't know, maybe a post or seeing somebody or a project. Uh, no, I just uh, it was just through the view awesome package, not package uh, repository, and I decided to check it. You know, curious as always, and mm-hmm. it was uh, back then it was next years and there was this other framework I might have forgotten it by now, uh, which the maintainers actually stopped working on it. So yeah, I stopped also following on that. Then I focused on next. And as just as you said, I mainly use Nux for you know the SSL part because uh-huh. handling that with Vue.js was kind of complex. And yes. that, by this time, I actually had my my personal website uh, using Vue.js, and I was trying to uh, sort of have my SEO on check. It was kind of complex getting your SEO on SEO on point. So I was looking for alternatives, and I just as I said, I had come across Nux.js. So I sort of tried creating my website using Next.js. Then there's this other website, actually the Lyrics website that I was talking about earlier. I came and rewrote it in, in Next.js uh, from Laravel to Next.js. And I, I enjoyed it, so I never stopped. And not, uh, not jumping in, into maybe one of the next topics, but uh, one of the reasons uh, as to why I wrote this article uh, Supervised authentication with Nux 3 
was uh, I went through the Superbase documentation and I found that they were actually, uh, they actually had uh, sort of within their documentation, they had uh, they, were, they had instructions on how, on how to authenticate with Next.js. And I'm a Vue.js guy. So I said, okay, why don't they have one for, for Next.js or Vue.js? Uh, so I decided to sort of have this, uh, write this article for the people who are actually using Vue.js and would like to uh, use Superbase uh, authentication with Next.js. Yes, authentication is uh, a very thorny topic, very difficult. Seems like yeah. there's all kinds of different uh, um, solutions. It's opinionated. Yeah. Out there. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to do, and there's solutions out there for authentication and how to handle it. Uh, the nice thing about the Laravel inertia stack for me is that yeah. Laravel takes care of that for me. You know, yeah, it's got I, all the stuff built in. It's yes, got, makes it very simple, it, very easy. Yeah, so one less headache I got to deal with, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, there. Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of tools. I've heard people that have you know rewritten their own, and it's just right. Suck, it it gets sure. messy. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about Superbase real quick. What it is, and mm. what's an alternative to. Yeah, so Superbase is in itself, as they say on the website, unless they have changed this, uh, they are an alternative to Firebase. Nope, that's uh, the first sentence. Superbase is yeah. an open source Firebase alternative. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So just just as that sentence says it, they offer most of what you, you'd have with Firebase. Uh, you know, for some people, the fact that Firebase being from Google, they have a problem with that. Uh, personally, I actually moved uh, from Firebase to. Uh, I, I initially used Firebase for a couple of projects, and the bundle size was a thing for me when it came to, to Firebase. It, it was one of those bottlenecks and some other issues. And back then, I, I actually shifted over to FaunaDB from Firebase. And the reason that I came across and started working with Superbase, this was around last year, uh, a certain platform had uh, approached me and they wanted me to create uh, a course for them. So I said, okay. And they told me, okay, so what stack uh, would you like to, to, to write on? Could you propose something? So I came up with ideas and they gave me access to their platform and they said, uh, could you go through uh, our platform and see what is it that what it is that we are lacking, and maybe you could compose something? And I said okay. So I did a bit of research, went uh, through the their courses. I saw what was missing, which was most mostly uh, Next.js. There wasn't, I, uh, if my memory serves me right, there was nothing uh, on Vue.js and Next.js. So I, I did propose uh, Next.js and. On the database side of things, there was nothing uh, uh, on Superbase. So I proposed that. Uh, I proposed those stacks. Uh, we discussed on uh, an, an ideal top, uh, an ideal title for the uh, for the course. Then I started working on the, uh, you know, TOC table of contents, and by the end of the <laughs> composing of the table of contents, well, they sort of went AWOL. So. <laughs> You sort of went what? AWOL. They oh. just disappeared. They, they weren't answering me. So oh, no. I said, okay, so I've reached this stage, spent my time doing all this. Why not try something? And with that uh, added caveat, whereby, as I said before, uh, I went to the Superbase uh, website, their documentation, they had nothing uh, on Next.js, but they did have a documentation on authentication with Next.js. So I decided to uh, pair those two and write something for myself, of course, and for general Next.js community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the backstory. So they got docs. They actually function. I can use them. So yeah, those are good reasons yeah. to use something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, okay. So let's get into your blog post then about uh, using Superbase with Next. Right. So uh, what's involved? Okay, so as any other blog post, you just uh, try to lay out what it is that uh, the two the stack uh, that you're talking about uh, by their own definition, what they are. 
just basic stuff for those people who are totally new, let's say, for the stuff. So I just went on uh, with an introduction to Superbase, just as we said, <laughs> it's the open source Firebase alternative that presents us with backend features such as uh, Postgres database authentication, edge function and storage, etc. And uh, an interest on this uh, tutorial, the authentication part, and we are going to learn through how to authenticate us through applications uh, using Superbase. So a basic layout was uh, another interesting thing was it was around the same time I think whereby Nux three came came out of beta. Uh -huh. It was yeah, it was around this time. So that's why I, I titled it Nux three instead of just Nux because there was a focus on Nux three uh, by then. And yeah, so we just go straight to setting up a Nux project uh, using the new Nuxi. Uh, tool. So we create a new Nuxi, Nuxt project, Nuxt3 project, if I'd uh, like to emphasize on that. Uh, and then just, you know, take the reader through uh, the basic setup whereby we'll just be removing some scaffolding pages, etc., which we do not need uh, for, for the example that we are going to, for the project that we are going to build. And the, the main focus, I think, uh, especially when it comes to Superbase, uh, was setting up the plugin. So the fact that they, they had the plugin, that was a big plus, because you aren't trying to figure out and be opinionated. Because uh, if you're opinionated, I mean, people would like at least something to, to have a bit of order that's already handed over to them, just like we do have with Laravel. <laughs> when you go through Laravel authentication, you're not questioning what, Oh, why don't I do it this way? They already have something set for you. You just go along with it, and you hope that they have done their their best, uh, their due diligence when it comes to making sure everything works. Yeah. So with Superbase, they it's a good thing that they do have a Next module. So we just set that up. Uh, then we go over using the. These I think uh, they are composables, and it's one of the new features uh, of VGS that I really like. And there's something that I'll mention later. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if you do have uh, specific questions uh, on how we, we go about this post. Initially, after the introduction and, you know, explaining what these two uh, uh, stacks are, Superbase and uh, Nuxt.js, we go straight to uh, detailing how we set up a new Nuxt project and there was an emphasis on this, as I said before, uh, because Nux3 had just been had just gone out of beta and it was the official uh, Nux uh, version. So we went through showing a, the reader how to create a new Nux project uh, using the new Nuxi, uh, Nuxi init commands. Uh, after running the script, yeah. the project will be Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so the project will be created. Uh, then we, we direct uh, the reader on some files that we are not going to use, which is the default uh, app.view components. So we, we remove this because since the emphasis is on authentication, that means we are going to have multiple pages. So we go along and create uh, we create a, a pages that, to add pages. So we create a pages directory. Uh, whereby we had an, an index page, uh, we had a register page and a login page. Uh, then within the login page, we just create an, a form with an email and password input. Uh, then we head over to the register page and add a new form also, a registration form. Uh, so obviously, the most important parts are the email and passwords. Uh, but we do actually add a first name and surname. And these uh, these actually do have uh, something to do with how you set up uh, Superbase later on. So it depends on how, how much data you actually do have uh, or you do want your user to, uh, especially on the authentication part. Uh, then afterwards, we just uh, head over and create uh, our index page where we just, what you're trying to say is just welcome to the dashboard. So obviously, we do not want uh, anyone who access the website or the app to have access to this page. So the, the important, the following thing 
we, we go ahead and set up uh, the next uh, the Superbase Next module. So we install it and uh, add it to the Next configuration. We add it as a new module, and uh, so yeah, the Superbase Next module gives us access to the use Superbase host client, use Superbase client, and use Superbase user client side view composables. Uh, which can be utilized to achieve the goal within this tutorial. So these three composables are what we are going to use intensively uh, to handle all this authentication part of the uh, of the project. And regarding the signing in part, so we set up a login function, uh, which in this in the documentary, if anyone's reading this, uh, you should see how we actually go ahead and. Uh, first initiates uh, next a superbase client and how we log in using that so by by this point we actually obvious cannot log in we are just laying out everything uh, especially on the login page and after having login uh, after having logged in the user should be able to watch for the user composable and see if there's a value there if there's no value we should be uh, if the value is available, that means the login was successful and you are directed to the index page, the one that we, we saw earlier. And yeah, so the watch effect, yeah, we actually use watch effect to use uh, watch, but here we use watch effect uh, to check if the, the user object is supplied by the uh, user base uh, user composable. And so, just as we know, composables they help how to import authentication, uh, authenticated superbase, uh, authenticated. Sorry. Uh, so this specific composable it helps to to auto import the authenticated superbase user everywhere within the next tab. Uh, so if the user is available wherever it is that he is authenticated and uh, the user value or the user state is not now, that means we have a user logged in. The user will be redirected to the index page. Then the next part of the blog, we focus on registering users. And we create a register function uh, that submits a registering uh, user's details as filled in, in the provided form. And yeah, we lay out the code. So within the code, uh, we use the use superbase of client composable to give access to a signup function that takes some arguments, which, as I said, the most important are email and password. And we also have an options object which we can pass, uh, which enables us to specify the redirection URL after the user has successfully registered. And also, so you can set up uh, email redirect too. Uh, which actually sends the email verification, the verification email, which is received by the user. And we have also a data option, which specifies the extra information about the regist registering user being submitted along with the authentication credentials. Uh, as we had in the we had in the form the first time and the surname. So next we, we, we follow up on logging the user out which is, this is the simplest part of, of this tutorial. Well, what we just need to do is, uh, uh, sorry. So we can just, there are two ways to go about it. Uh, all two parts, I can say. The first is just calling the authentication sign-out function. Then the, the most important part is adding a middleware, uh, which, we'll check if the user uh, object is populated or it's not. So we actually had an, uh, an authentication middleware, as you will see in the code, which just checks if user value, if user is not, I mean, user that value is now, just get redirected to the login. Otherwise, you remain where you are. So maybe in this case, we're in the index page. And to apply the middleware, you have to set it up uh, by using defined page meter. And uh, you add uh, you add it uh, under the middlewares, so you have to set this up for every page that you don't you do not want an unauthenticated users to have access to. And yeah, the next part is about the logging users out, which of course I've already explained. 
well, just need to, to call the authentication sign off function. Uh, then you could, two, you can, two ways to go about it, you could, afterwards you could redirect users to the login page, or you could use watch effect to check if the user object is populated, or if it's now, if it's now obvious, I like to maybe redirect users to, to the login page or whatever the starting page of your, of your application or website is. Uh, then the following part. So I sort of, this is also another opinionated part. Uh, I direct the user to create a navigation bar in which you have these, uh, you have the links uh, to these separate pages and a button to log the user out. And, you know, this is just as far as it goes to just set up the components that uh, this app might have that will help the user move from one point to the next. And the middle, which actually adds a guide for us. And yeah, so that's most, that's likely most about, uh, it's mostly it's on the part of the next app. Then the next part of the article focuses on setting up database, uh, so, sorry, setting up Superbase for an X3 app. Uh, so this involves creating a Superbase account and, and proceeding. Yeah. So the gist of all this, I mean, we can you can only mouth code so much, obviously. And if you're looking at the blog yeah, post, yeah. there's plenty of code samples and, and GIF samples right. of, you know, the screens and what it looks like and stuff. I think what I'm gathering from reading this is it seems pretty straightforward. You basically create a Superbase account. They have a plugin. You install right. it. You set your credentials. Yeah. And, uh, and right. then you go from there. There's some, you know, coding you'll have to do, obviously. Um, now, I'm curious that you mm -hmm. had, it looks like you had to specifically make some tables uh, or uh, right. inside of your uh, your database to uh, to store the data. Is that right? The, yes. The, Plugin doesn't handle stuff like that for well. I yeah. guess not. It wouldn't, would it? Yeah. So, so the plugin actually doesn't. But with Superbase, especially when you are setting up authentication, there are some uh, tables that you you are not specifically setting up because they uh, they you are just activating them, something like that. So you're not uh, sort of creating new tables per se. Because they they do actually support authentication as I think a first class citizen, uh, and uh, when you scroll down, you should see the part about authentication providers, uh, whereby you have uh, so so it, it provides all these options for, for authentication. You could use uh, these auth authentication services like Apple, Bitbucket, Facebook, etc., or you could just use uh, the email option. Which is the one that uh, I'm actually displaying within this project, uh, within this uh, blog post. Yeah, it's uh, uh, quite interesting um, looking at the available uh, auth providers that you can use. You know, anything from Azure to yeah. Facebook, GitHub, GitLab, Google, Spotify, Notion. Slack, Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, that gives you quite a <laughs> impressive list of options if you don't want to do the yeah. simple email stuff. Yeah. And I focus most more on email because I think I saw something uh, on using these other providers. I'm not so sure I saw this, whether within their own documentation or I, somewhere on the web, uh, but there was no option for, you know, the basic email. So uh, that's why I focused on creating, uh, on using uh, the email provider, which is most, I, I could say, what most developers uh, you know, initially set up their projects. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I do. All righty. Yeah. So is there anything else we need to cover about your blog post or Superbase or Nuxt or anything we missed that isn't covered by your blog post? Um, for the Superbase part, I don't think there's that much. Uh, but it, it was interesting when uh, I was contacted with Michaela when you guys were interested with this. And uh, all honest, in all honesty, actually, this, this article re received uh, quite traction, uh, which I was surprised. I didn't expect it because it's, uh, it's one of the articles that I, I had set up this 
target for myself uh, early this year. Uh, I sort of set up this target uh, of writing 30 articles in 30 days. <laughs> so, wow, that's a lot of writing. <laughs> that was a lot of writing. I'm sleeping quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, and this was, I think this was the first one in that span of time. This, this was the first one. And I was quite uh, amazed by the attention that this one received. And it was the first time that I was trying, you know, I actually posted this uh, on uh, using a thread format. I didn't just post it like uh, what I do with my other blog post, just with a single blog post, with some explanation, etc. I, I actually posted this in a thread format. So whoever will go through the thread will get the gist of all, all of all of this uh, blog post. And if they were interested to, you know, read more, they will go to the blog post itself. So it was very interesting uh, seeing that uh, it got distraction. Yeah, that's sort of funny about you know writing posts when you do a lot of um, a lot of publishing and writing is that you never know what's going to take off, right? You, you could write a little blog post. Oh, I'm exactly. just going to write this yeah. for myself, and and uh, yeah, maybe it'll <laughs> yeah. help somebody, and then it just takes off. And the one you think, oh, this is awesome, I got all kinds of great information off. here, doesn't do so well, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So that's true because I actually have written a couple of details, like really detailed uh, blog posts, and they actually never got attention. Uh, I'll, I'll put this one uh, along those, you know, the same uh, breath as one of those posts that I had lots of details uh, in it. Uh, but there are uh-huh. these two specific blog posts uh, that were CSS based. So one was uh, on creating what I currently know is, you know, the skeletal loading animation. I never knew that it was called skeletal loading animation back then. I I don't remember the name that I used, but I used something like placeholder or something. I think it's one of my most read posts uh, on DevDot too. Yeah, so it was crazy. The the traction it got, I never understood. I couldn't figure out. So on the following week, I wrote another one that was CSS based also on creating animations, different kind of animations using uh, SVGs. Mm-hmm. And that also got crazy, crazy attention. And for some reason, I, I said, okay, I'm going to stop <laughs> writing about animation because I don't want this to be the focus uh, you know, of my oh. writing. Because I could go along with that. And I don't know where that would have led me, but... In overall, I never, I really enjoyed that people are finding those useful and the sort of, uh, they, they got all the traction. But in my writing overall, I thought that it could have this impact that I never you know, planned initially. So I actually stopped writing such uh, blog posts that brought such attention. Yeah. Oh, dude, you could have been that could have, you could have been I'm wealthy. Sure. Just start writing. Everybody wants to read your content. You get paid, <laughs> right. Just think about it. <laughs> yeah, I could have. Yeah, yeah, I could have. Thinking about it, maybe I could have. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, not having proceeded with that route, maybe set me out for where I am currently, and which is a good place. And, and I really like, as I initially mentioned that. After figuring out that okay, writing actually can help you get paid, that was sort of a new discovery for me, and I sort of focused more on you know understanding more, uh, understanding the concepts, and trying to write things that a broader readership could really get something of value out of. And yeah, and interesting also one of another post that sort of got traction was one. Uh, I wrote one, one blog post on Rust. It was sort of a beginner's blog post for Rust. And it was the first time I actually read. Uh, I, it was the first time I got into Rust. That was like a year ago. And mm-hmm. I started reading this Rust book. I've forgotten the title of the book. So I said, okay, let me write something just based off what I've collected uh, on Rust so far. So I wrote that blog post. Then in two weeks, I wrote another one. And those two blog posts on Rust sort of got that traction uh, that I also never expected because the other blog posts, as you were saying earlier, you just write and never expect. 
and actually the offer is uh, to write for some blogs uh, out of those ones. All right. So with that, we oh, will wrap okay. up our talk about Nuxt and Superbase and all that. But like we said, if you want to read James' posts and play with it, um, we will have the link in the show notes. So with that, we'll move on to picks. Picks are the part of the show where we get to talk about anything we want to talk about, really, that uh, may or may not have to do with tech. Uh, we've had all kinds of interesting things yeah. picked here on on the uh, show. So I will start with the um, the high point of any of my uh, podcast episodes, which are the dad jokes of the week. Uh, okay. So let me get my, need my sound effects ready. Here we go. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I went to my uh, doctor the other day and because I had this uh, surgery scheduled and and I said, man, doctor, I'm nervous. This is my first operation. He says, that's okay. Don't worry. It's mine too. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing like instilling confidence in your oh. patients, right? Yeah. Uh, Who was more so nervous? Here's a question. <laughs> yeah, right. There's <laughs> uh, so a simple question. Why was Dr. Frankenstein never lonely? Hmm. He was good at making Why? friends. Right. <laughs> right. He made his he friends. He created himself. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. He was one of those real creative kind of guys, you know. And then. Yeah. Um, Crazy uh, creative. Right. Uh, I was driving along the other day and uh, saw this roadside stand, you know, on the side of the road. It said lobster tails, $2. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good deal. So I paid my $2. And instead of giving me the lobster, the guy says, once upon a time, there was this lobster. Lobster yes, tails. So, uh, <laughs> lobster tails, right? T A L E S. And those are the dad yeah, jokes. You got a tail instead of. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to, to add a couple, maybe two. Go for it. It's your turn. You're uh, up. So... What are your picks? <laughs> okay, these are my two picks. Uh, so, my friend Jack claims uh, he can communicate with vegetables. Uh huh. Jack and the beanstalk. Very good. I've, I've seen that one. Jack and the Beans talk. That's right. Yeah. Wonder about yeah. friends like funny that. Funny story behind sure. this. And yeah, yeah. Uh, funny story is this. So Jack and the Beans talk was actually the first English book. No, it was the first English storybook that I got to read as, as a kid. Oh, wow. So, okay. I remember so my, you really my, appreciate that joke yeah. then, don't you? Yeah. It hits close to home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there are memories. Yeah, right. so uh, at the age of 65, my grandma started uh, walking 10 kilometers a day. She's 92 now, and we don't know where she is. Very good, very good. Another classic one. I think I just saw that here recently, so. Yeah. Grandma, come yeah. back. You can and stop walking now. Right. <laughs> yeah, so can I sort of share another duck uh, this was a bit dark because with this joke, this is a true story. Uh, my grandma on my mother's side, my maternal grandma, uh, she was mad. She was angry. I don't remember how old she was back then, but she was pretty old, maybe in her 80s or something. So she was, uh, somebody made her angry for some reason. Somebody pissed her off. She decided to just leave the house and she walked away and she never came back up to this day. Yeah, so <laughs> this, this is another joke that hits close to home. Wait a minute here, delayed jump joke. Sorry, sorry, gotta, gotta work on the sound effects. <laughs> All right, did, did yeah. you have any other picks, actual picks for us besides the dad jokes or was that it? Uh, maybe... Maybe I could share what I'm doing currently. Yes. So, we'll call that yeah, a shameless plug. I never mentioned plug. this before. Yeah, so this is my shameless plug. I'm actually a technical writer currently for uh, Chisel Strike. Uh, so mainly currently uh, what we are doing is we have this H database called Turso. 
Uh, it's based off uh, LibreSQL. LibreSQL is a is an open source, open contribution fork of SQLite. So what you're offering is, you know, your data at the edge. And I've actually been writing lots of content on a Medium account. I have a Medium account currently. As earlier, I just mentioned uh, DevDo2 and Hashnode. So with uh, Turso, I sort of got into the Medium space. As a writer, I was sort of nervous getting into Medium for some reason. <laughs> but currently, I'm actually almost all the time writing on Medium. Yeah, so people should check uh, Turso out if they're interested with uh, storing or fetching their data from the edge. Yeah, so... So it's Chisel Strike. Is it, am I saying that correctly? Chisel Strike? Chisel oh, Strike. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. So it allows you to store yeah. your data at the edge when you say so on a CDN somewhere so it's quicker to access? A, something close to that. Uh, something like that, but it's sort of... Uh, so just as we have with this... Uh, let's say, distributed uh, compute with what we have with Netlify, uh, what they offer with their edge functions, uh, services like Netlify, Vercel, and, and Cloudflare. So with data at the edge, we are moving also the databases uh, at the edge. Because you could have your, your compute at the edge and still be fetching uh, your data from these centralized servers, from centralized clusters, which wouldn't help that much, and at times will be actually more expensive so with data at the edge, that means where the computer where the compute is, we also place uh, the data over there. So this uh, really helps in lowering the latency and making uh, access to you know makes our websites really fast. Yeah. So if you, I'm pretty sure if you Google Turso, T U R S O, right, uh, you'd find lots of stuff on that. And you might find a couple of articles from me. So, yes, yes, I've just found the link on Medium here. So I'll uh, make sure and yeah. uh, add that into the show notes as well. Okay. So, all righty, all righty. Well, thank you for coming, James. Uh, it was good to talk to you uh, about your post. Thanks, and, Steve. Uh, if you want to learn more about Superbase and Next and how to authenticate, then read the blog post. And with yeah. that, we will say goodbye and we will talk to everybody next time on Views on View.